Hello, and welcome to Mixed Feelings, a podcast about news, politics, and pop culture on the Relay FM network. I'm Quinn Rose, and I'm here as always with my co host, Jillian Parker. Hi, Quinn. Brief explanation as to what happened last week. So, on the show two weeks ago, we said we weren't going to have an episode, but then a bunch of stuff happened, and on Twitter, we said we were going to release a bonus episode last week, and then we didn't. Um, because basically there was a reason why we said we weren't going to do an episode the week before and then I temporarily hallucinated and thought I could do it. No, that couldn't happen at all. I tried, it didn't work. Jillian like did her best. She came in and recorded immediately after arriving home from vacation. Um, but I was finishing up my teaching program and was like constantly in meetings and talking to people and did not have enough time to get it out and also live. So, sorry about that, Uh, but it just evened out to what we said originally anyway. Yeah, no harm, no foul. We'll try to make this one twice as good to make up for it. Okay, (laughs) that's a bit of a stretch. We can go for like 1.25 times as good, maybe? That seems like a reasonable goal. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Let's... Aim for uh, 1.25. Honestly, I kind of feel this week like there's an asteroid coming towards the Earth, but I can't do anything about it. So I'm just sitting here living my life like, uh... Yeah, so the inauguration is on Friday. So there's that. This is just so rough. Oh my goodness. I really like that asteroid, um asteroid comparison though like I definitely feel that uh the world is coming to an end and we're all just watching just just waiting so yeah accurate accurate depiction Quinn a plus I feel like when the election happens it was so raw and so emotional and then kind of as you go like you do what you can to to move on and to live your life um And so even though I'm doing this show every week and continually talking about it, there's a part of it that doesn't really feel real, you know, because defense mechanisms. Um, But now we are coming up to the point where it's like, oh, no, it's very real now. Everything is about to come crashing down around us. Yeah, I was very optimistic for like five minutes and I was like, oh, maybe it won't be that bad. But just watching him just witnessing what he tweets just makes me so angry and i'm just like well remember when i had faith yeah that's all gone there's nothing left i have nothing to give anymore so the inauguration is on friday um which is tomorrow when this episode comes out and what this means well first of all just to like make me happy for a moment can we talk about what a disaster inauguration planning has been though because it is hilarious yeah first of all nobody wanted to perform for donald trump so there was that so that was just another logistic thing an extra thing that people had to worry about it's like oh want to perform an inauguration uh no thanks oh okay go down the list and keep checking people off like it's like Hillary got Beyonce to show up for campaign events and Trump can't even get a Bruce Springsteen cover band to perform at his inauguration. Yeah, so that's not very encouraging. Oh, I think it's great. (laughs) Someone called my house today and was like, 
it, it was some just like recorded political call and it was like the democrats are attacking donald trump's agenda and i was like good and i hung up <laughs> The Republicans are attacking Donald Trump's agenda. <laughs> Everyone is attacking Donald Trump's agenda. Other countries are attacking Donald Trump's agenda. Donald Trump doesn't have an agenda. He has a Twitter. <laughs> That's even worse, Quinn. So because we didn't put out an episode last week, uh, we haven't actually talked about the press conference that he held last week yet, uh, which, you know, I'm really trying to think of a word that isn't storm but i can't think of anything else to describe this situation everything that's happening a hot mess hot mess but like minus the hot and triple the mess <laughs> yeah so he had a press conference which is the first press conference he's had in many months during which he called cnn fake news which i can't believe how quickly i've come to hate the term fake news because instead of a word for calling made up things fake which is what the word means now people are just throwing it at things they don't like nah um and we also had him um trying to avoid talking about the uh collection of memos that buzzfeed leaked um that are unconfirmed still at this point but did accuse him of many things including colluding with russia and suggesting that russia has blackmail on him in the form of videotape of um prostitutes and gross illicit sex acts uh, what else happened at this press conference oh and then he had all of these folders that were supposedly full of files and proof of business dealings and like basically proof of his ethics but he wouldn't let anyone look at them and if you looked at the pictures they looked pretty blank like i'm not gonna lie they looked fake it was actually funny i was watching snl that weekend and snl had uh obviously snl riffed after the press conference including way too many actual quotes from him which was kind of disturbing how many they managed to use there um and their fake papers actually looked more realistic than his papers did. Ah, uh, Barome. Oh, also, to go back to that, what Quinn said earlier about the fake memos and some weird things happening in Russia, um, Putin said, Trump is a grown man, and secondly, he's someone who has been involved with beauty contests for many years and has met the most beautiful woman in the world. I find it hard to believe that he rushed to some hotel to meet girls of loose morals although ours are undoubtedly the best in the world what kind of a statement is that so not only did he defend his country's prostitutes but he also backed donald trump so I, in this weird i i don't even know what to call it anymore but we're gonna change the name of this podcast to i don't even know anymore <laughs> i mean that's fair there are just so many things that have gone on with Trump in the past few weeks that it's hard to pinpoint down, like, what exactly I'm the most scared of. Um, but I think freedom of the press is a really big one right now. Uh, I mentioned that he called CNN fake news. He's basically wielding that term as a weapon now and trying to use it to discredit various news organizations that he doesn't like. He's talking about denying access to various news organizations based on how much he likes them which is very, very democratically dangerous, considering that means that now people have a motivation to not make him mad and to not criticize him. What does this sound like to you? Does it sound like a democracy? No. But it's funny, though, because every news source or publication that he calls out 
automatically just becomes more popular. He lashed out against Vanity Fair, and then once people were like, once people read what he said about Vanity Fair and how it was not real and like an awful publication and stuff, Vanity Fair's subscribe uh, subscriptions just went up exponentially. So I just think it's funny how um, there maybe when it comes to this, it when it comes to this, there's no such thing as bad publicity because every news source that Trump calls out apparently just becomes more popular, so, which kind of like backfires on him. That is true, and it's a kind of beautiful justice. But at the same time, it's the question, like, what he can do is deny them questions and deny them access, uh, which could be a huge problem if you only have people reporting on the president who like the president um, and aren't willing to criticize him in any way. That's a really big problem for accountability. That's just a big problem, period. This is making me sad. Everything is making me sad. This can't, this is not going to be a happy episode, fam. Like, the inauguration is so soon, I could cry. I'm just going to be, I'm literally going to be, like, in rural Maine in my home, just, like, cut off from the rest of the world and sad. Yeah, Quinn is, like, currently wrapped up in a blanket right now, and she looks like a sad burrito. Because that is how I feel right now. A sad burrito with no guac. A sad burrito without guac. That is how I feel right now. Oh my god, Quinn, if you make that the title, I'm gonna die. (laughs) I was about to say, I hope you know that's gonna be the title. Oh my god. I'm 100% done. (laughs) So moving on from the sad burrito topic, um, another thing that Trump did this week where... Do you think maybe he just sits in his room and is like, what would be the stupidest thing I could do today? And then does that thing. I mean, I believe it. No, there's like, there's this episode of, okay, this is like a huge flashback, but there's this episode of Arthur, like the the kids TV show on PBS Kids, where there's just an alien is brought to like humanity and then the aliens from above just watch as everything like runs amok and i just feel like we're in that situation so you think he's been brought here to disrupt us so that aliens can see how we react <laughs> i mean <laughs> maybe not the worst theory i've ever heard <laughs> i feel like it could totally be plausible so anyway i don't know how many people are actually going to be at this inauguration because it seems like a, a whole lot of people aren't going and they don't have any celebrities, really, that are going to be there performing. Um, they only have, like, a couple. And they're literally not sold out of tickets yet. They're trying to get people to buy tickets, and people aren't buying them. And it, I, there's going to be no one there. I mean, relatively speaking to Obama's inauguration was massive. Obama's inauguration was lit. Yeah. This will not be lit. I probably shouldn't have described like one of the most important ceremonies of our <laughs> of our country's foundation as lit, but that's what it's come to. It's totally legit. Um, I remember when Obama was inaugurated in tw- in two thousand eight. So we were both twelve. Um, so we were like in sixth grade or something like that. Um, and I remember I was in elementary. So I was. So I was still in elementary school, and I just remember um, being really excited about it, and I drew this, like, crayon drawing on my desk at home. Not a, I wasn't drawing this at like sc- on, like, school property, but I drew this, like, crayon drawing of Obama 
um, on my desk. And it was there for many months before I, like, scraped it off. Baby Quinn! (laughs) That's kind of cute. He was so cool! He's still so cool. I actually, I told Jillian that she wasn't allowed to criticize Obama today because, like, I know you don't love him, but I'm going to miss him so much. (laughs) This is just, we can't, we can't say anything bad about him today. Today of all days. (laughs) I was taught when I was younger, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to touch this topic. I mean, to be fair, yeah, he's going to be well missed. He was definitely one of our most popular presidents. Um, him and Michelle are actually low-key amazing role models. I mean, they're both extremely well-educated, obviously, um, and their daughters are perfect, and they're all extremely well-dressed. Like, <laughs> They are like the portrait image of um, the ideal American family. So, yeah, it's going to be weird sort of shifting from that to someone who's not really known as a family guy. So... <laughs> Yeah. I like how you talked about their sense of style. They do have amazing style, like, all the time. It's kind of incredible. But yeah, also, and then they're actually staying in D.C. for the next few years, I think, um, until Sasha fis- finishes high school, which mo- usually um, presidents don't stay in D.C. afterwards, but, like, they're going to be around, at least for the next few years, going to be keeping an eye on things. Um and Obama's talked about how he wants to be, like, he, he's been pretty clear about the fact that he's going to be um, an organizer and an activist after he leaves office, um, because he's been so, so professional right now, and to the point where it's almost infuriating. But I think that as soon as he leaves office um, and does his, like, peaceful transition of power thing that he's always talking about, uh, he will be pretty outspoken, which I'm looking forward to. I'm also looking forward to uh, throwing all of my money at Michelle if she ever runs for any office. (laughs) Yeah, also Joe Biden said the exact same thing. He was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm being very, um, very soft-spoken right now, but once once I'm no longer officially the vice president of the United States, I'm going to be able to say whatever I want. So, So we have that to look forward to, I guess. Ugh, I'm just... All the memes, though, just... All the memes give me life. But have you seen the new ones with... um, Because Obama gave Biden, like, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, I think it was. Um, And it was, like, the highest civilian honor this country offers. And there's this beautiful photo of him putting it around Biden's neck, and he's crying. And the memes are everywhere. (laughs) It's amazing. It's amazing. We could just talk about various things going on with, like, Trump and the inauguration um, and stuff like that forever, basically, which is, you know, what this podcast is. Uh, Anyway, but I think we should take a few minutes and talk about, like, handling the inauguration because it's probably going to be a very hard time for a lot of people. Like, I don't think a lot of people are watching it. Like, I'm not going to watch it. I don't want to see that. But at the same time, like... Uh, you know it's happening, and you know that it, as soon as that transition of power happens, then there are so many things for so many people that are at risk, and that's incredibly hard to deal with. So I just think it's incredibly important that um, on Inauguration Day, and for as long as you feel like you need it, to take it easy on yourself and to do what you need to do 
to help yourself. Like if that's going to one of the women's marches and protesting the next day, then to do that. But if that's to stay home and just spend the day taking care of yourself um, and not being able to go out and organize at that time, then like you know what's good for you and you shouldn't let external pressure tell you exactly when and how you should show up like you know when you can show up and you are in control of that no one else self-care is especially important right now what's your favorite thing to do for self-care i listen to music and eat ice cream that's that's my definition of (laughs) self-care pretty basic what about you quinn I like to do things that force me to take a few minutes just focusing on myself. Like I I paint my nails a lot. Um, So taking that like half an hour to like remove the nail polish and put the new polish on and do a couple coats and then just spending that time like just thinking or just watching a TV show or something is really cool. Just like and this can take many forms, but nails are just one of them, is taking the time to just focus on some aspect of you or your body for a certain amount of time really helps me. Self-care! Ooh, do it! Well, since this entire episode is just about American politics this week, which, to be fair, that's most of the show all the time. But anyway, we are going to talk a little bit about Obamacare. So Obamacare, known as the Affordable... Um... Care Act has been uh, one of Obama's really big accomplishments during his presidency. Um, and to be fair, like it is an amazing vision. Like access to quality health care is excellent. Um, there are some flaws, however, and so the Republicans right now are trying very hard to dismantle Obamacare. But my thing with that is we can't just dismantle it without a plan. Because then there's just like 20 million people without health care and what like there needs to be a plan. And until we have that, then I don't think it's reasonable to reasonable or I don't think we can justify just getting rid of something um, without having a plan ready to go right into motion once once Obamacare is um, eliminated. Yeah, that's what's really bizarre about this whole thing is like, okay, so Republicans have been talking for like six years about getting rid of Obamacare um, and they have no plan. <laughs> no plan? How do you not have a plan? It's been years. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a low-key disaster. I mean, the reason um, the reason Obamacare does get a lot of criticism is because it, de- it has burdened working class families because deductibles and premiums have increased and more and more doctors have actually stopped accepting Obamacare. So it's a mess and the Republican administration is using that to say, oh, this is why we need to get rid of Obamacare, blah, 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 blah. Which, okay, fine, whatever. But you can't say things like that unless you have an idea of what you're going to do next. So that's my problem with this whole situation is... You have to have a plan, and if, I mean, I'm pretty, I guess I'm pretty biased when it comes to that, as if I'm saying, like, oh, it would be so easy if I just came up with a plan, but obviously that's not true. I know it's a lot harder to come up with an insurance plan for, like, 350 million people, for a country of 350 million people, Um, and if I could come up with that plan, I would not be here talking about this. I would actually be doing things. Yeah, the important thing to remember here is no one has the answer for healthcare. We... (laughs) If, if 
some of the smartest people in the country um, and also a lot of politicians have been working on healthcare for this long and haven't been able to come up with a perfect solution or even close to a perfect solution and they also can't agree on what the perfect solution looks like then like clearly we have no idea but there are some things that Obamacare has done and put in place that have been incredibly important and um, deserve to be maintained. The number one thing of this that most people are focusing on when they talk about not repealing Obamacare is is not being able to deny health care to those with pre-existing conditions. So before, people with pre-existing conditions basically couldn't get health care, which meant that like if you had diabetes, if you had cancer, if you had had a stroke, if you had asthma, like it could, that term could extend to so many different things. And that means you couldn't get healthcare, which is really horrible when you think about it, because it's like, okay, so the people who need the healthcare the most can't get it. And you need to get it before you, you better hope you got healthcare before you get sick, because otherwise, like you just have to pay for it yourself, which Healthcare costs are so high in this country, that's basically impossible. And the reason that system exists is because of money, because healthcare services don't want to insure people that they know are going to cost them money. So instead of healthcare being a basic right in the United States, the way it is in most other developed countries, who, by the way, think we're all insane for how much our healthcare costs, it's placed as this thing that you can only get if you're already healthy or rich, basically. Yeah, so not exactly ideal. So basically what Quinn and I are saying is that Obamacare, or whatever comes after it, is a very complicated uh, form of legislation, and maybe we should just focus on curing the world of diseases instead, so everyone's healthy, but obviously we can't do that. But it's a good backup plan. That's that's my backup plan. <laughs> yeah, just cure all diseases. That's a good plan. It's not like we're trying to do that already or anything. Well, obviously we are, but oh god, this is such a struggle. It is a struggle. It's also kind of unclear what happens if we do repeal Obamacare um, in terms of like cost of healthcare premiums and stuff like that, because a lot of estimates say that individual insurance premiums will go up significantly if you repeal Obamacare. Like, taking that away does not automatically mean that everyone else's costs go down. It's all about building a more efficient system overall. I don't know where this money is going. Like, I really don't understand this. Um, Like, I know other countries have more taxes, which is why they have more social services, but Americans really do spend more money on healthcare than any other country maybe we might be number one there um or at least very very high up and like somehow we have the worst health insurance of any developed country and ridiculous medical bills and i just where is all the money going how is this system so inefficient (laughs) this episode is called quinn yells about things she doesn't understand uh this just makes me angry i heard one perspective on the Affordable Care Act, which is basically like, yeah, it's not perfect and it does have problems, but it's basically being used as the scapegoat, as if there's any other health insurance system that we could put in place right now that would be better. It's kind of like that old quote that like, democracy is the worst system of government except for all other systems that have been tried. Or is that about capitalism? I don't remember. No, I'm pretty sure that's democracy. 
Yeah. Also, what's the... There's a quote in Hamilton where he's like, they don't have a plan of their own, they just hate mine. <laughs> Which also works here. Oh my god, that's so applicable! Uh, Hamilton is always applicable. Hamilton is a little too applicable to the current political climate. Yeah. Yikes. Also, I think we should have named this show literally Yikes, because I feel like I say that every other day. You say that all the time, though. I mean, that's true. So I don't think we actually mentioned why we're talking about this this week, um, but uh, the Republicans um, and Congress have started to take the first like concrete steps towards repealing Obamacare. Uh, they've been talking about it for years and years and years, but now that they have the majority, they actually can start working. And so... Nothing has been repealed yet, but they did pass a budget resolution, which kind of sets the stage for allowing them to do this. So it's looking increasingly likely that in upcoming weeks, this is a very real thing that might happen, which will cause, you know, 18 million people to lose their health insurance if they don't have a replacement that is comparable and ready to go the second they repeal. And they keep saying, like, we're going to unveil something, we're going to unveil it. And I'm like, where is it? You sound like me saying, like, oh, yes, I have that project all done. No, I don't. Yeah, I I have one page left of my 25-page paper that I haven't started yet. (laughs) That's That's when you're like, oh, yeah, I'm heading out the door, and you're still, like, about to hop in the shower, like, having brushed your teeth. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be there in five minutes, I say, as I text this from my bed. (laughs) One time I was looking at Google Maps that said it would be there in 15 minutes, and I was like, I'll be there in any minute now. And I was like, I know this is a lie. (sighs) Okay. So again, uh, so this is one of those things that if you care about it, you should absolutely call your senators um, and let them know that you care about it and let them know, like, how you feel because... I, I just bring this up every couple episodes now, um, probably every episode from here on out, because our next, oh my god, our next episode is after Trump becomes president. Oh god. This is painful. That physically hurt me. Okay, moving on from that. Anyway, when you call, care about things, call your representatives and donate to causes you believe in and volunteer and show up. Please. We can do this together. I believe in you. Not like most people, but like you specifically listening to this. I believe in you. I like wish I had some words of comfort, but I really don't. I'm just so stressed out, Jillian. (laughs) We have to start our semester in Trump's America. How am I supposed to learn under this environment? (laughs) So, aside from Obamacare being a huge topic in the news, what also is um, a huge thing is Chelsea Manning, the Army intelligence intelligence analyst who was convicted um, of a 2010 leak that actually revealed um, very private information about the U.S., about the government, about the administration, through actually WikiLeaks, which is something that Quinn and I have also talked a lot about on our podcast. Um, So she's been in jail, and President Obama on Tuesday actually commuted um, her remaining prison sentence so she has four extra months well she has four months left in prison and then she'll be released in may um which is 
seven years of total prison time when she was sent when she was convicted for 35 so obama has actually received a lot of backlash for that because the secretary of defense was against it um but he did it anyway so this is this is a very very big topic right now i feel like we can end every sentence about obama with and he got backlash for it like what do you think like this is so interesting to me i personally am very pleased that this happened for a couple of different reasons like so leaking state secrets is obviously like a very serious issue and a complicated issue but in this case in particular her sentence first of all was incredibly long and we know as far as we know like what's been happening to her in prison is horrific Um, because Chelsea Manning is a transgender woman and she has not been given the health care that she needs. She has been basically tortured while she's been in prison. Um, Some of her statements have shown signs of extreme psychological stress, possibly even psychological break. She is not being given the standards of basic human rights Um, and it's absolutely horrific. And so for, like, multiple reasons, but mostly, like, the human rights issue that is at stake here, um, I am happy to hear that the rest of her sentence was commuted. Interesting. My thing about this is, so President Obama actually commuted um, a lot more people than just Chelsea, but what I thought was interesting is he actually commuted a lot of people who were arrested, who were convicted for minor drug offenses, which I'm in complete support of. Like, I don't think they should be in jail or have these ridiculously long sentences for minor drug offenses. Um, my concern with this is just that, yeah, I mean, obviously she was going through a lot and obviously, um, obviously the conditions she was kept in were not safe or humane. But this does set a precedent for, it's not like Obama's saying that it's okay to leak state secrets, but basically the reason, one of the reasons that she got off was because she was confessed to what she did and because she was very remorseful and very sorry that she had done all these things. Um, I, I mean, it's a very complicated issue. There's a lot of gray area. The question of like, how much she leaked and what punishment is deserved um, for people who do leak state secrets, I think is a different question than like, should this particular woman be in prison right now based on the experience that's based on the experiences that she's had there already that go beyond like just punishment. Also, America is one of, I think America is the country that spends the most on prisons. According to some of the best estimates that we have, the U.S. has like less than 5% of the world's population and almost 25% of people imprisoned in the world, which means that we are incarcerating people at a rate way, way higher than most other countries. And a lot of these people are being incarcerated for non-violent drug offenses, which I don't think is a big enough reason to justify spending all of this money on their prison sentences. So this is just, this is an institutional problem. I think you're absolutely right there. And I mean, you can trace the high rate of low-level drug offenders who are in prison back to crime bills in the 90s and the whole war on drugs, war on crime situations that 
pre- had pretty racist consequences um, and decimated communities and didn't really help drug situations at all. It's a whole mess. It's a, we made a whole mess of things. I think this actually made race relations worse because it polarized people. So this is just, this is really is a hot mess. And I mean, obviously, like, leaking state secrets is a different thing than low-level drug offenses, but it's all part of, like, the bigger question of the purpose of prison and when prison is a just punishment and when it's not. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is just such a much bigger question about, you know, America as a country and its rules and regulations. But I I don't know, there's just something about this case that just makes me, um, makes me nervous, I guess. I mean... It's great that she's no longer going to have to suffer these awful conditions where she was not being treated fairly as, like, an American citizen. But just, I mean, I think we've always emphasized the safety of our country and releasing state secrets is never really a good a good idea. Um, and this does set a precedent. So I think we should also just keep that in mind. Yeah, that's something that I think is going to become more and more of an issue uh, moving forward and whatever the heck is going on with WikiLeaks these days which we've mentioned before um, and Snowden is still hanging out abroad <laughs> tweeting um, and all of these things like I think that this whole situations of leaking it, it's not going to slow down anytime soon it's just going to keep happening over and over again I don't know what would have happened if it was Snowden in prison not Manning um, because if they had someone, because if it was someone who was being kept in prison under humane conditions, um, and the only debate going on is like, do they deserve to be in prison for leaking secrets? Because there are lots of people who think all of these people are heroes. Um, and there are arguments for that. And there are a lot of other people who just think that they're traitors. And I'm, we're not really going to get into like, too deep in that debate today but there are points on both sides when the question is reduced to like that purely that debate it's a different question in happier news uh quinn and i found out that there are actually huge benefits to having what is called a baby face some people are actually calling this the Gigi hadid effect because she's this beautiful model she's dating zane from who was a member of one direction um, and she's known for having a very youthful face And it turns out that uh, the results from a psych study have been released saying that people are actually more sympathetic to people who have very youthful baby faces. Why did I use air quotes? You can't see me. Um, (laughs) But basically, Quinn and I are... This is one place where we have the upper hand because everyone thinks that I look like I'm 12. But actually, um, baby faces are great because... They are perceived as more trustworthy, and actually a lot of people are promoted. A lot of CEOs are known for having very youthful faces, and because a lot of people think that they're more trustworthy, and they give off this good, positive energy, as opposed to people who have more angular features, which seem a lot harsher, I guess, from a uh, physical perspective. So this is all very exciting news for us, because everyone thinks we look like children, I was ID'd for a rated R movie, like, three months ago, so that's where I'm at. I was in New York teaching at middle schools over winter break, and you always have to check in with the security guard at the door, right? Um, because 
New York schools like always have security guards and one of them like low-key did not want to let me in because she didn't think I was over 18 and I was like I am 20 years old not 16 thank you thank you very much <laughs> yeah I was teaching a conference for eighth graders um last year and you know there are pictures of us being taken at the conference and my friend I guess one of my co-leaders sent a picture of me with a bunch of eighth graders teaching a bunch of eighth graders to his mom and his mom was like oh I can't tell if uh I can't tell which one's Jillian like is she she blends in right with the eighth graders and I was like great it's just like it's just ironic because you would think that having a baby face would be um would be a disadvantage if you want to be in a position of power so I just think that's super interesting how people are actually drawn to the more innocent persona I mean, I suppose that makes sense that people are drawn to more innocent looking faces um, and they think that these people are like more trustworthy and everything like that. And then it goes back to this whole terrifying prospect that like literally the, the millisecond you meet someone, you make a snap judgment about them based on their appearance and it's almost impossible to erase that first impression of them. And so no matter what you do when you meet people, if you don't look good enough, then, well, you kind of lost your chance forever. And that's an exciting thing to think about when you go to bed at night. <laughs> Another uplifting, uh, uplifting thought from Quinn and I. Mm-hmm. Well, another thing I talked about in the article is that even though having a baby face per se uh, kind of helps you get promotions and helps people like you and may even help you out as a politician, it actually it makes it more difficult for you to get elected to positions. So even if you're already in the position, it can help you out, but... People kind of don't want to vote for babyface people sometimes because they don't look like they're tough enough to, um, like, really handle it. Uh, but I just think it's so interesting because, Quinn, this is one thing that will actually help us in our lives. Well, maybe. Possibly. <laughs> this is my only chance of ever getting a promotion, to be honest. Oh my god, stop. You're so qualified. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How qualified are you, Quinn? Hella hella qualified. Can I put that on a business card? <laughs> I think I should. I think you should put that on the back of your resume and I'll sign it. Um, yeah. Noted podcaster and prolific tweeter Jillian Parker said that I am hella qualified. <laughs> and when the interviewer was like, qualified at what? You can just be like, everything. <laughs> well, at this point, um, I'm more qualified than the government. So come at me. <laughs> um, we were always more qualified than the government, JK. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Politics is messy. We would be a great president, vice president team, I must say. Can you be vice president? I know you can't be president. Unclear. Yeah, so for those who don't, <laughs> that sounds like a very weird statement. Um, but yeah, so I actually can't become president of the United States because I was not born in this country. Um, but you know what? It's fine. We all have our, <laughs> we all have those days, I guess. <laughs> No, I'm actually trying to hint that you're a felon and are in um unqualified for office. <laughs> <laughs> Very passive aggressively. <laughs> no, because I feel like when we would appeal to both sides. Oh yeah, we would probably be the first Democrat Republican team to ever run for president. <laughs> Wait, stop! That'd be so dope. I don't think you can do that though. Like, I think that that's the point of the party. Oh yeah, Thomas Jefferson got rid of that system. Are you gonna make this about Hamilton again? <laughs> I feel like everything I know about politics comes from Hamilton. <laughs> or at least recently. <laughs> Not a bad place, honestly. Like, if you gotta get them from somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. 
All right. So at this point, we would like to announce our candidacy as the first uh, double party ticket in U.S. history. Um, the Rose Parker ticket 2032. Thank you very much for your vote in advance. We are single-handedly getting rid of bipartisanship, so you can thank us later. <laughs> no, no, no. It's partisanship we want to get rid of. Bipartisanship's the good one. Oh my god, I hate myself. <laughs> you know what I mean. I hope that one day you do run for office and someone has sound clips from this podcast. Oh my god, stop. I could be like, I, I never said that. And then they could be like, yes, you did. And I'll be like, well, lying works for Donald Trump, so... <laughs> I'm just gonna stick to what I say. <laughs> okay, and on that note, uh, of course, this whole segment has just been a diversion from the fact that our country is about to implode upon itself, possibly with the help of Russia, China, or Mexico, even at this point. Um, so we're not feeling great, but we're with friends, gonna make it through. We're gonna work through this together, okay? <laughs> okay? I'll spoon feed you ice cream. It's fine. Okay. (laughs) That'll be us next week. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Mixed Feelings, the last episode in Obama's America, RIP. Um, You can find us on Twitter at MixedFeelingsFM or at Relay.fm slash MixedFeelings, where there is a contact form uh, if you want to send us any feedback. You can also find us in the iTunes store. It would be lovely if you left us a review. You can find me on Twitter at AspiringRobotFM. And you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jillian Parker. Thanks for talking with me, Jillian. Oh, thanks for talking with me, Quinn. I'm Quinn Rose. And I'm Jillian Parker. And these were our mixed feelings. <laughs>